Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Great days are ahead for the church of Jesus Christ. We're not afraid of whatever is to come. Why? Because we're overcomers. We are overcomers. We are more than conquerors. We cannot be defeated and we will not quit. Say, I cannot be defeated and I will not quit. You know, the only hope the devil has is you quitting. The only hope the devil has is you have to quit. I mean, you know, again, I'm reminded of Jesus in the wilderness. And the devil came to him to tempt him. And said to him, if you're the son of God, among other temptations, he said, throw yourself down from here. Throw yourself off this cliff if you're the son of God. And I got to reading that one night. I got to thinking. I thought, you know, devil, if you're such a big, bad devil... And you want to stop Jesus, why don't you just throw him off the cliff? Why do you have to try to get him to jump? Throw himself down. See, the devil couldn't just come along and push Jesus over the cliff. He had to try to get Jesus to throw himself down. And that's how it is. He's got to get you to quit. He's got to get you to throw in the towel. He's got to get you to throw up your hands and surrender. He's got to get you to do it. But if you don't do it, he's already defeated. He's already conquered. And his defeat will manifest in your life. His being conquered will manifest in your life if you don't quit. So say it again. Say, I cannot be defeated. And I will not quit. I am an overcomer through him. Who loved me and gave his life for me. Isn't that good news? We are overcomers. You know, if you really get a hold that you're an overcomer, you'll thrive on things to overcome. We won't worry about things coming against us. We'll thrive on things coming. Why? Because we overcome. We are Overcomers. And overcomers, they look for stuff to overcome. Because that's what they are. They're overcomers. So we're just looking for something to overcome. We get excited about it. No, I know the flesh doesn't. The flesh will recoil at things, but you just got to take charge of that. And say, now stand up straight. Walk tall. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. That's who I am. I I love what Paul said over in Acts chapter 20. Why don't you go with me there this morning? Acts, the 20th chapter. How many people know Paul manifested the victory of Jesus time and time again in his life? I'm talking about Paul the apostle. He manifested being more than a conqueror and an overcomer constantly. He was constantly manifesting that by facing the things that were coming against him and not fleeing, not hiding. 
Not retreating. Somebody say, I will not back up. I will not back down. Man, we don't back up. We don't back down. We just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. And the apostle Paul, being faced with many threats concerning his future. It says in Acts chapter 20 and in verse 24, but none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I want you to notice that statement. None of these things move me. None of these things move me. And here he was being told that chains, tribulation awaited him. And yet even knowing that some terrible things were were coming his way, he had some terrible things in his future. He said, none of these things move me. And I just believe that what he said was true. I don't believe he was just giving a pep talk. I believe he believed what he said he believed. That none of these things moved him. He wasn't going to be moved by fear. He did not take a step back. He didn't even hesitate. Even with all these threats coming against him, he didn't even hesitate to keep moving forward. And as a result of that, he overcame things that should have killed him. You read some of the things that that he experienced, that he went into after he said that. The torture... The beatings, the chains, the tribulation, all these things that he experienced, they should have killed him. I mean, he had a mob of hundreds of people, maybe thousands, I don't know, and they're all beating on him, kicking him. I mean, he's in the middle of a mob that wants him dead. And yet, he gets pulled out of the mob And asks the commander who rescued him out of the mob if he could speak to the people. And so the commander allows him and he gets up and starts preaching. He just got beaten. I mean by all these people. Stomped on, kicked, you can imagine. And now he gets up and he starts preaching to him. In the midst of the pain. He was feeling pain. He has a physical body. He was experiencing things. It wasn't like he was just like numb to these things and he didn't experience pain and suffering. He did. But through it, he was able to rise up and preach the gospel and do what the Lord Jesus sent him to do. I mean, no fear. No fear for his life. And that's what he said here. He said, neither do I count my life dear to myself. I'm not worried about my life in this world. He's talking about his physical life. I'm not worried about my life in this world. See, because eternal life was so real to him. Heaven was so real to him. How many people want to have that kind of faith? Want to be walking in that kind of faith? Living out that kind of faith. We have that faith on the inside of us, but we want to live that faith out, don't we? 
Don't we want to be like that? I mean, I mean, nothing moves us. Nothing moves us. Nothing even causes us to hesitate from moving forward with what God has called us to do. We're going to fulfill his call on our life. So to, to develop that kind of faith in us, I felt led to go back and read this verse in its context. Starting in verse 17. And so we started last week in this series that I entitled the Ephesus Exhortation. Because it was in talking to the elders at Ephesus that Paul made that statement we were just looking at in verse 24. But I want to look at the whole thing. Because in there is the faith, is the understanding that will help us to be unmovable. Unmovable. In life, when nothing shakes us, nothing moves us. Can you say amen? So let's go back. Let's review a little bit of what we already covered. Uh, Verse 17, it says, from Miletus, he sent us to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. So notice Paul called for the elders of the church. Who were they? They were those who had answered God's call on their life. That's how you become a leader in the body of Christ, is by answering the call of God on your life. You know, Jesus said, many are called, few are chosen. How can you be one of the ones that is chosen? Are you interested in being a chosen one? I remember when I was out at Bible school, and uh, it was during a time where they were changing classes. And sometimes that meant changing what building you were in. And so I was out in this park area, and class was changing, and uh, people were moving, going through the, the, the pathway in, in, you know, in, in this park to go to their next, uh, next class in the next building. So, man, there was just a mob of people. And I remember, you know, looking at the crowds of people, and, I, and all of them called, you know, all, to, all called to the ministry. All, all called to serve God, you know. And all these people just fired up zealous for God, zealous about being at school, you know, Bible school. And, and I just looked up, and I began to feel, you know, like just another brick in the wall. <laughs> like just dust in the wind. You know, I just began to feel very insignificant, very insignificant and small in the midst of this crowd of people. All called to do what here I'm called to do, right? And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, what what, what did you call me for? What do you need me for? What What did you call me for? And he came right back. And he reminded me of those words. He said, many are called, but few are chosen. Few are chosen. And I've seen over the years, I don't know all those people, but I've seen over the years how many of those people have been distracted from their calling and have suffered shipwreck in different areas of their life. And a lot of them are completely out of the ministry, into secular work. Some of them aren't even here anymore. They've died. And I think back to that when the Lord said, many are called. It looks very impressive. But few are chosen. I don't want the body of Christ to just look impressive. I don't want a church that just looks impressive. 
I don't want a church that's just full of a lot of cold people. But hardly any of them are chosen. Hardly any of them are actually going and accomplishing what God has created them in Christ Jesus to accomplish. I want people that are overcomers and go forth and accomplish the will of God for their life. That's just what I want. I'm not looking to impress anybody. I'm looking for successful people. That's what God's looking for. That's what Jesus is looking for. So how can you move from being called to being chosen? Some of you can move there right now. Today, at this moment. You can move from being a called one to a chosen one. You say, how? It's simple. By answering the call. Answering the call. Saying, yes, Lord. Send me. I answer the call to go. I'm going to be a doer of what you called me to do. You can make that decision right now deep on the inside of you. You can make that decision that I'm going to be a chosen one. God chooses those who choose to answer the call. That's who he chooses. So you don't have to say, oh, Lord, choose me. He's already called you, I'll tell you that. Now just choose to answer the call. And as you step out in faith to answer the call, you are chosen. You're chosen. You're chosen. You're one of the ones that he chooses. Let's be chosen ones. I said, let's be chosen ones. You know, Brother Hagin had a vision. The Lord had appeared to him in this vision and was sharing some things with him about his own ministry, about Brother Hagin's ministry. Brother Hagin now had been, I think, pastoring for 10 years. And the Lord told him that he was now entering into the first phase of the ministry that God had called him to. And Brother Hagin thought, just entering into it now. He said, what have I been doing all this time? Just entering into the first phase? Into the first phase? So he questioned the Lord about it. And the Lord spoke to him and said to him, he said, many of my ministers live and die and never enter into the first phase of the ministry that I've called them to. Man, I don't want that to be me. How about you? Huh? We got to be zealous about answering the call of God and being chosen of him and not being left out. We have to be determined that I am not going to live my life out, stand before the Lord and think, didn't I do good? And he's like, well, we never even got started. Now you're in heaven, you're saved, you're born again, you know, but man, you never even got started with what I had you called, what I had called you to do, what I had for you to do. See, we have a, a little example of this over in Acts chapter 12. You just go back, hold your place here in 20. And look here uh, in chapter 12. And actually, I, we're going to go back a little bit further back to the end of chapter 11. The end of chapter 11. And it says in verse 29, Acts eleven twenty nine. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. 
This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And then it goes on and talks about James and how he was killed and, and other things. And so Barnabas and Saul, they were sent on this assignment. And, uh, and then we come to chapter 13 in verse 1. It says now, oh no, 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 excuse me. Chapter 12, verse 25. 12.25, it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had what? Fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Notice that. They fulfilled their ministry. Now, chapter 13, verse 1. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers certain prophets and teachers. And it names a few. It starts with Barnabas and ends with Saul. Barnabas and Saul. So they just fulfilled their ministry. And now here they are, and they're being referred to as prophets and or teachers. And verse 2, it says, And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. How many of you know that's where ministry starts? Ministry starts with what? Ministering to the Lord. See? See, folks say, well, what's my ministry? There it is. There it is. Ministering to the Lord. Well, how can you minister to the Lord? Well, worship Him. Weren't we doing that a little while ago here? Praising and worshiping. See, the Lord takes those things personally. He takes it to heart when we worship Him. Now, if we're just singing songs, then we're just singing songs. And that doesn't, that's not ministering to the Lord. That's ministering to yourself. You know, I, I think back years ago before we had a music team. And that was by design, Holy Spirit design, that we didn't have a music team at the time. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. People would come and, and people wouldn't, wouldn't, they wouldn't stay in the church. And, 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 and it was not, not everybody, but there were people that just wouldn't stay in the church. And, and you would get some feedback either from them or from somebody else. You know, they would speak in, through somebody else, you know. And, and they would say things like, I, I can't go to that church without praise and worship. Now, we did praise and worship God. We didn't have a music team. But we praised and worshiped God. Yeah, we just, we just start to praise and worship God. But we didn't have a music team. Oh, I need to have a music team. I need to have a music team. I need to have, I need, I, I need to have praise and worship. I didn't know praise and worship was for you. Are you the one being praised? Are you the one being worshiped? I think it's supposed to be the Lord. See, but people are like, I need, I want, see, the music team, that ministers to me. I wish the pastor would talk less, and I wish the music team would minister more. I'm not saying there's anybody here like that, but there are people like that in other places in the outer ridges of the world, outer fringes of the world, you know. But, you know, I, I, I well, no, it's not for you. We're ministering to the Lord. We're ministering to the Lord. And actually right now, your training is so you can be better at ministering to the Lord. In fact, your whole life is to be about ministering to the Lord. 
ministering to him. So praise and worship is, is a part of that. But we got to get that kind of mentality. Minister to, let's minister to the Lord right now. Maybe we need to say that sometimes. Instead of saying, well, come on, let's praise and worship. Maybe we need to say, hey, let's all minister to the Lord. To just kind of arrest our attention. Because sometimes our mind gets into ruts. And we just begin to think a certain way. And those, we hear these words. And those words just, you know, we're almost kind of numb to it. But we say something, we say it a little differently. It's like, oh, oh, it might get our attention. And then we can minister to the Lord from our heart as we sing and praise and lift our voice to Him. So here they are ministering to the Lord and fasting. And I won't get into fasting. And everybody said, that you are a good pastor. Thank you, Pastor. They ministered to the Lord and fasted television. Oh, I slipped out. I, 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 why did that come out? And they fasted the cell phone and the video games. And they fasted. See, I really was going to pass on this, but the Holy Spirit is driving this car. And that just came out. I wasn't even thinking that. But how many people know there are many things in our world today that will keep you distracted from God's purpose and plan for your life that'll keep you distracted from Him if you're not watchful, if you're not willing to fast. There's some things you got to be willing to fast. Lay aside the weights. Lay aside the weights and the sins. And there's a difference. Some things that are sin, you know it's sin, and that needs to stop. What about the weights? Sometimes it's having all these weights that is causing the sin. See, people are carrying all these weights. They got all this stuff they're worried about. All this extra stuff they're taking in. Taking in all this extra information. All this extra knowledge that profits them nothing in this media hype generation. They just take it and take it and take it. They're weighted down. And as a result of that, it's hard for them to overcome. And resist sin. Resist things that they know in their heart to be wrong. It's hard to do it. It's hard to do it. Because people are bogged down. People are weighted down. God wants you, you wants your life to be simple. He wants to simplify your life. God's not in the complicating of your life. The devil's into complicating things. He tries to complicate. It actually says that over in, in 1 Corinthians He tries to corrupt the simplicity that we have in Christ by making everything complicated, difficult. Just give you a lot of extra baggage to carry. A lot of extra things on your mind. We've got to learn to cast those things off of us. Lay those things aside. Fast. Say, I don't need to hear all that on Facebook. Well, you didn't have to repeat it. I was just talking about talking to yourself, but it's good anyhow. I don't, need to, I don't need to know what's going on all over the world. I don't need to know everything. I'm not a busybody in other people's matters. But it's just so captivating. Well, then you're a captive. You'll be a captive, and you'll live a captive, and then you stand before Jesus, having never accomplished what he called you to do. We got to lay stuff aside. So be faithful with what you have now. I'm going to tell you right now, Paul and uh, 
Barnabas, you know what they're doing basically is helps ministry. They're helping out wherever they can help. So they hand them this, this offering to take up to Jerusalem to the elders there. They're like, oh, yes, sir, you know. So they go and they travel and they do that. And they're just doing whatever they can find their hands to do to serve the Lord. Then they, they have fulfilled that portion of their ministry. And now they're going to enter into the first phase of what God really has for them. And that's to be apostles to the church. That's what the, that's, that is... Their calling. Those other callings were really to prepare them for their ultimate calling. And so here they are doing what they do. They just fulfilled their ministry. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there was a certain there were certain prophets and teachers. Again, Barnabas it mentions, then Saul, verse 2, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. Now, separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. See, they've been called, but now chosen. Now separated to fulfill this call on their life. And I love how the Holy Spirit spoke to them when they weren't necessarily looking for him to speak to them. They were looking To speak to the Lord, to love on the Lord, to minister to the Lord. But as they were loving on him, ministering to him, he spoke to them. And he gave them direction for their lives. And so many times, that's how direction is going to come. It's going to come by you focusing on the Lord more than just focusing on direction. Focusing on what you got to do. What does God have for me? What should I be doing? Where should I go? What should I do? What about me? What about me? I'm not sure. Am I doing? Oh, God, show me. Oh, God, show me. Oh, God, show No, 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 no. Let's stop that. Ask not what your God can do for you, but ask what you can do for your God. Ask what you can do for your God. And as you are interested in taking care of him, he's going to show you what he's got for you. You will lack no direction. You will lack no wisdom. He will show you. If your interests are in him and not in yourself. So if you're ever confused about something, get your affections on him. Just, you know, I just need to forget about that. Too. I need to worship the Lord right now. Yeah, but I got to know. I got to go. No, no, no. What you need to know. No, I got to know now. You don't understand. This week, today's the day. No, 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 no. What you need to do is get your affections and thoughts on him. You need to begin to worship him. You need to begin to exalt him above your week. You need to exalt him above your day. Because he is eternity. You understand? What is your day to eternity? Come on, somebody. What is your day to eternity? My, my day, my. We're talking about eternity. Worship him. Exalt him. Lift him up. Magnify him. And many times it's just in casting the care on him and setting your affections on him 
Holy Spirit starts saying things. He starts, and you know, many times he won't tell you. Sometimes he won't tell you things until you, you need to know. In other words, he'll take you right up to the and beyond what you think. Is I need to know by. And God says, no, you actually can know by here. No, I need to know by here. I'm going to die. No, you can actually know by here. Watch. And he'll stretch you to say, don't you trust me? Don't you trust me? Lord, I need to know. Don't you trust me? See? Faith trusts him. Rests in him. Casts its care on him. But you can't cast your care on him. If you're not a person who's always taking things upon yourself and taking things to yourself, that you've got no business taking upon yourself. Be a person that's good at casting things, laying aside things, and not just filling yourself up with things that are not him. I want to be filled up with him, don't you? Praise God forever. So the Holy Spirit said... Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed. Now they fasted a little bit more. And then they prayed. What did they do? They laid hands on them. They sent them away. Praise God. And verse 4 says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit... I like that. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Not just being sent out by humans. Not just deciding this is what we're going to do. Being sent out by him. Man, there's something empowering to the one who knows they've been sent by God. I mean, when you know you've been sent by God somewhere, it doesn't matter what happens there. It don't move you. See, we're talking about not being moved. It don't move you. Why? Because, you know, I've been sent by God. Now, you see, if you get in the middle of where you are, and you're not sure if you're supposed to even be here, and everything seems to be falling apart all around you, it's easy to panic, right? It's easy for panic to sit in. And you start questioning, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be in this thing. I should probably never have done this. I mean, see, because now you're out there, You're unsure of the will of God for your life because of the circumstances. When it all looked good, it felt good to be here. When it all looked bad, now it feels bad to be here. It doesn't feel right. I don't know if we're supposed to be here. I don't know if I'm supposed to be in this thing. And things can get pretty messy, and people get moved. They get moved out of their place, so they jump ship. They quit. They get out. They do something different. They panic because they were uncertain about where they are. See, the apostle Paul, he knew he was sent by God. He knew where he was going. He was going because God was sending him there. He had all these people telling him, man, don't you understand? Chains and tribulation await you. Yeah, but God's sending me there. Hey, as long as it's the will of God, I'm good. Isn't that really what it's all about? Just as long as we know we're doing what he wants us to do. We're where he wants us to be. As long as he's the one that's sending us. And we're not just sending ourselves. Because if you send yourself, you have to sustain yourself. But if he sends you, he'll sustain you. I said he'll sustain you. And come hell or high water, you will not be shaken. 
you will not be moved if you know you're there by the Holy Spirit. Because God has placed you there. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God forever. I want to be exactly where God sends me. How about you? Well, you see, we got the same God here. Same God that spoke to these men will speak to you. He'll speak to you. If you'll minister to the Lord. If you'll minister to the Lord. If you're a person that ministers. That, just, that needs to be a life. That's not something we do twice a week for 15, 20 minutes at church. We minister to the Lord. Be a person that ministers to the Lord. A person that lays aside stuff. Fasts some things. There are distractions to your faith. And you'll know everything you need to know when you need to know it. Amen. Say, I will know everything I need to know when I need to know it. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to fulfill what God's called us to do. We're going to follow the Holy Spirit. We are a people that are led by the Spirit of God. We're not people following our reasonings. We have reasonings, but we don't follow them. We use our minds. We use our thought process, but we're not led by it. We are led by the Spirit of God. And we are those who answer the call. We answer the call. Say, here I am, Lord. I answer the call. Well, what's he calling you to do? Number one, minister to the Lord. And then what did we talk about last time over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1? He said, you're called to be saints. Who's a saint? A saint do you remember? He's a sanctified one. He's, he's one that sets himself apart from the things of this world that are contrary to God. How many of you know there's a lot of things in this world that are contrary to God? Well, what is a saint? He sanctifies himself. What do you mean? He sets himself apart. Now, we just read in Acts 13, hands were laid on Paul and Barnabas and... Uh, they were set apart. The Holy Spirit said, set apart unto me, right? Didn't he say that? Or separate to me. Same thing. Set apart unto me. Separate unto me. In other words, sanctify unto me for the ministry. But before that happened, they were already living sanctified life. They were sanctifying themselves. They were setting themselves apart from things they knew weren't right. So if we want God to set us apart to his service then we need to set ourselves apart in life from things that are contrary to it. We're saints. This is what we do. We're called to do this. This is all part of our calling. We need to fulfill that calling. How many are working on fulfilling that calling of being a sanctified saint and calling on the name of the Lord? Again, a saint, called to be a saint, is, is talking about also about being one who calls on the Lord. Calling on him in everything, acknowledging him in all your ways. And then in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 1, he talks about being called into the fellowship of God's Son. So we want to we be those who fellowship with God's Son. Verse 26, he went on in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, saying, How you see your calling, brethren. We need to see our calling. It's very important to see that we are called to these things. Otherwise, you'll never choose it you got to see what God has called you to. And then back again at Acts chapter 20. 
Acts 20, and in verse 18, it says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, Paul said to the elders, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. And he begins to talk about how he lived among them. He lived a God-fearing life, and he lived it so clearly that he expected them to know exactly how he lived. And that's how you and I need to live our lives in a way that it's clear to everybody who we live for and how we live, right? It's clear to everybody we're called. It's clear to everybody we're saints. It's clear to everybody we're sanctified. We're not ashamed of that. We're developing a good reputation. It's important to have a good reputation. If you've got a ministry to fulfill, that involves people, and so therefore you need to have a good reputation among the people that you are planning to help. Because if you don't have a good reputation, they're not going to listen to you. And you won't be able to help them very much. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. So we need to have a good reputation. How many know the Apostle Paul, he did have a good reputation? In fact, over in Acts, the 19th chapter. Paul, well... He had been casting out demons and healing people and delivering people by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then here in chapter 19, it says in uh, verse 13. Verse 12 talks about he was casting out evil spirits. Even the the handkerchiefs that he had, had had made contact with his body. People would take those handkerchiefs, lay them on other people that were sick and afflicted, and demons would leave those people. That's power, man. I like that. Verse 13, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. How many know these guys had no fellowship with Jesus? These guys had no relationship with Jesus. When you say something like, we adjure you by the Jesus whom so-and-so preaches, you don't know Jesus, do you? No. And if, you're, if you don't know Jesus, guess what? Demons don't know you. They don't know you. Or I should say, they don't know your authority over them. Because you don't have any. We adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish Jewish chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I mean, this demon possessed, these demons rose up inside this demon possessed man and just beat these guys up, beat them up good. But notice what the demon said Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? Who are you? Are, how, how, how great of a reputation do you have? How well known are you as a God-fearing, Holy Ghost person? Does your fellow 
peers know about it? Does your church family know about it? Huh? Who knows about it besides you? Who knows about it? Friend, even the demons should know about it. I mean, they should have your name and number. That's the kind of person you want praying for you. You don't want to just have someone that prays for you that knows God. You want somebody praying for you that is known by the devil. That's what you, that's, that's what you want. You want somebody praying for you that, that is known by the devil. It's like, now listen, you can have anybody pray for you, but just don't have him pray for you. Don't have her pray for you. <laughs> because we know them. We know them. You know what the demons would say when Jesus came along? I mean, Jesus was still afar off. And demon-possessed people, you know, the demons in them would cry out, Ah! What do we have to do with you, Jesus? We know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Have you come to torment us? That's a good reputation to have. You're the Holy One of God. Have you come to torment us? You know what my answer is? Yes. Yes, in fact, I have. See, I'm a horror movie. I'm like a, I'm like a horror movie producer. I like producing horror movies. In fact, I'm working on one right now. It's called The Saints of Life of Faith Bible Church. That's what I'm working on right now. Working on a horror flick. And the devil does not want to rent it, trust me. Trust me. The ones that stuck their head in here this morning, they're already out in the Schneider pleading to jump in someone's car. Amen. <laughs> That's why we have so many speed demons out here. Because they just can't take it. They just jump into people's cars and off they go, you know. People go racing down the Gene Snyder, you know. Amen. Somebody say, I'm a terror to the devil. Demons are scared of me. Yeah. Sometimes you need to tell the devil, be afraid. Be very afraid. See, we got to have that kind of attitude. Things, the devil comes over to our house, tries to mess with us. You got to tell him, be afraid. Be very afraid. See, we're talking about not being moved. Somebody's going to get moved. It's either you or the devil. You got to determine it ain't going to be me. But I know the devil's movable. Why? Because he hasn't been sent by the Holy Spirit to come against me. God's not with him. And if God's not with the devil, what he tries to do against me cannot stand. But the God who is with me is more than enough to cause me to stand. So sometimes you need to have a conversation with more than just God. Sometimes you need to talk to the devil. And you need to just let him know. Now, Somebody's going to move, and it isn't going to be me, because I've been sent by the Holy Spirit. As for you, you're just trying something. You're just trying something, and it will not stand. Sometimes you got to call the devil's bluff. He will bluff you, try to convince you, you are going under, there is no way out, I've got you surrounded. And that's when you start singing. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded. 
I'm surrounded by him, right? I'm surrounded by the Lord. Glory be to God. Somebody say, there's more with me than there are with them. Ooh, that's a good thing to get a hold of. That's a good thing to get a hold of. So he says, oh, these rioters are coming to Louisville. I mean, there's like thousands of them. And they're going to come and they're going to riot. That's a riot. Did you know we're here? Did you know that? I'm talking about the saints. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. We're here. And we've got more with us than they got with them. And what they got with them is already half dead. It's been whipped and beaten and trampled on many times over by the Lord Jesus. And so, come on by. Get trampled on. Get trampled on. Do we have that kind of attitude? Or we just look at things according to the flesh and just get overwhelmed and allow all the, all the hype and sensationalism to just get a hold of us and bog us down with fear and overwhelm us with a bunch of information that's worthless. So, you know, I like getting information about things like that so I could just use my authority, not just so I could walk around and spread gossip. Oh, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Did you? People get so excited about sharing bad things. It's like, so many times people want to be the first one. I know I shouldn't tell you this. It's like they're excited about it. They want to share. They want to share. Wow. May that not be any one of us. Because those kind of people don't stand in dark times. When we hear about darkness, we deal with it in the spirit. If it hasn't already been dealt with already. Some things, you know, they come to me, I hear about it. It's like, my mind says, you really need to pray about that. My heart says, nah, I think this is already taken care of. So I'll just add my faith to it, that it's taken care of. See, we're led by the Spirit. We're not reacting to everything we see here in the flesh. We're led by the Spirit. We follow the Holy Spirit. Can you say Amen. Praise God. That's all part of fulfilling the call of God on our life. Called to be saints. Called into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Let's build that reputation. Let's build that reputation in heaven and in hell. Here on earth and in heaven and in hell. Everybody knows our name. I don't know. I just like that. Wouldn't it be cool for the devil to say, Jesus I know, and then and so and so I know. You know, just to know that you're making an impact. I know, Jesus said, don't rejoice that, you know, demons are subject to you in my name. And, and uh, yeah, But you've got to admit it, it's pretty cool. When hell goes, I know him. Oh, I know that church. I hate that church. That's good news when the devil hates the church. If he likes it, we've got problems. I said, if he likes it, we got problems. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Say, I'm one of those that is building a reputation in both in heaven and in earth and under the earth. In hell. My name is known. 
I'm a doer of the word. I'm a faithful one. A chosen one. I'm following the Lord. I'm going to obey Him. I'm going to trust in Him. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Woo, thank you, Lord. Isn't it good to know that you decide whether you get chosen or not? Aren't you glad? It's not up to, you know, somebody else just looking and going, no, nah, I don't like your hair color. No, nah, I don't like your personality. No, nah, you don't measure up. Now, no, you, you, you decide whether you're going to be a chosen one. You decide. And how do you decide? By choosing to answer the call. How many people are answering the call to be a saint? Called in the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Called to minister to the Lord. Called to be led by the Spirit of God. Called to follow Him. Oh, hallelujah. If you've chosen to follow that calling... Praise God, you're one of the chosen. You're one of the chosen. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God, one of the few, one of the humble, the chosen. Woo, hallelujah. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.